Hey everyone, it is late at night and I am Norman and welcome to the 14th episode of the Late Night Watch Talk podcast. It feels like it's been forever since I've been chatting with you guys and this is actually the first episode of 2022, so it's a brand new year. I was away for a little while. For New Year's, I, the family went off to Disneyland and we celebrated the New Year there and it was super amazing. Tonight's episode is going to be full of all kinds of stories and a little bit of fun to wrap it up. So before we begin, what is on my wrist? I am wearing the 36mm Vintage Movado Museum. This has a black dial with a really subtle sunburst to it. Starburst, whichever you choose. I believe sunburst is, yeah. Now there's no guarantee that I'm going to be wearing this watch after I'm done recording this because I've been going back and forth between this and the pull router. And the only reason this is getting any wrist time, in spite of me having a pull router sitting over there on a shelf, is because it just came back from servicing. And I'll be telling that story tonight. But yeah, it's been a while. I feel a bit rusty. We'll see how this goes. It's fine. So at Christmas, I got together with the family, and my dad had a watch that he got for my uncle. And it belonged to his grandfather, so I guess that would be my great-grandfather. It's an old Elgin watch, and it's kind of a mystery, because it has a gold case. It, had, it was on a gold bracelet that almost looked like a women's watch, which was compounded in the fact that this watch is only 30 millimeters. Yes, this is an itty-bitty watch. It, uh, it's crazy because it has some cues that you would expect to see in, in some of the really old, like, A11 spec military watches. It has drilled lugs. The seconds hand looks like a field watch seconds hand. And when you go to set the time, you realize that it hacks. But other than that, it looks like a dress watch. The dial kind of looks like a field watch as well. But the case is gold and with that bracelet and it has this huge bubble, like absolute, like semi-spherical acrylic crystal on it, which is scratched deeply. So I think I'm going to be working for a while trying to get those scratches out. I think I'm going to, I did, I took it to the buffer wheel and that's not really helping. So I'm going to go to the next step and take some really, really fine grit sandpaper and work on those. And then I'll take it back to the buffer wheel to get it all nice and clear and stuff. But have I gone too small? This watch is absolutely itty bitty. And when I tried it with its original gold bracelet, it just, yeah, it looked like a lady's watch. So as soon as I got home from that Christmas party, I went online and I ordered a strap for it because the lugs are 16 millimeters apart. So at that size, you are literally, literally shopping for ladies' watch straps. And I found just a plain black leather dressy tapered watch strap. And it looks great. It tapers down to 14 millimeters and I put it on the watch and it did wonders for it. So now it just looks like a really vintage watch. It looks like a men's watch from that time. And what's interesting is when I put it on my wrist, it looks like what vintage watches look like when I see them on film. So when I wear my other vintage watches, 
they kind of look like a normal size to me. I mean, I'm used to those vintage sizes, but if I put, say, like a 36 millimeter watch on, it looks normal on my wrist. Like right now, this Movado, to me, has a similar aesthetic to a 40 millimeter on like any someone else's wrist. Someone who's used to that size, that's what I feel like this looks like to me. It looks just normal, like just a normal size. It doesn't look vintage, like what I would see if I'm watching a movie, if I'm watching Mad Men or uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. On their wrists, in those movies, they look like vintage watches. They look a bit smaller on their wrist. Now, what's interesting is this Elgin, when I put it on my wrist, that's how it looks when I look down at my wrist. So this one actually looks really vintage size as I'm looking down because it's so small. This is by far the smallest watch that I have. And I'm probably not going to be getting any more at this size unless I end up going for one of those A11 spec like full on field watches. I do have a search for those on eBay and there are some pretty amazing ones that come through. And I believe all of those are at 30 millimeters. But yeah, this is definitely a rarity. I feel like 34 to 36 is my size like that is kind of dialed in for my personal taste. But it is a really cool looking watch, so I'm hoping to get that crystal to where it looks kind of um, kind of new. Get rid of some of these deep scratches that are in it and get it uh, polished up so it looks like a brand new acrylic crystal. But like I mentioned, we left for Disneyland a couple days after Christmas and spent New Year's there. And it was fun, uh, but I do have to say that my personal preference is universal in Florida. Number one, it's warmer when we go for New Year's because we've done it a couple years. Uh, we decided to try getting away from the gloom and the cold that we experience here in Washington. And we wanted to go someplace sunny and warm for New Year's to kind of break the winter in half. And... We did Universal because we love the Harry Potter stuff there. It's just super fun. And the Hulk coaster, of course. So we spent a couple New Year's in a, I think it was in a row, going to Universal. And I remember on one of those trips, we usually leave really early. And to kind of save costs, we leave on New Year's Day. So we spent New Year's Eve in the park walking around. We had a few drinks, not a ton, but drinks in the park are really sugary and not terribly strong. So we had some of those, but then we had to wake up at like 3 in the morning. So by the time we got back to our room, I think it was 1.30, something like that, 1 or 1.30. And we passed out and had to get up at 3. And when we got up, I was just out of it. It was a terrifying taxi ride to the airport. We couldn't decide if the taxi driver was just falling asleep over and over again or if he just didn't know how to drive. I mean, he would put the gas pedal to the floor and then ease up. Gas pedal down, ease up over and over again going down the freeway. It was absolutely terrifying and probably in a way a good thing. Otherwise, I would have full on passed out in that car. But once we got to the airport, I just felt sick, absolutely sick. Like, if I'm conscious, I'm on the verge of puking. Everywhere we went, I was eyeballing where garbages were, and just in case. 
And this is like a six or seven hour flight, something like that. And I'm just dreading it because I'm like, I am going to throw up on the airplane and everyone is going to be freaking out. It's just going to be an absolute nightmare. So while we were waiting for the plane to arrive, I sat down in a chair and passed out and felt great while I was unconscious. Woke up and the sickness came back. We got onto the plane, which was full, by the way. All the seats were taken. But when we got onto the plane, we absolutely lucked out because the people that were in my wife and I's row didn't show up. So we had an entire row to ourselves. So we were nearly laying down. We slept all the way back, thankfully. Oh, that was an absolute nightmare. So the next time that we did New Year's in Florida, same exact scenario. We were doing New Year's Eve, and then we had to get up super early the next day to catch our flight. So this time what I did was I decided to stay awake all night long. And as usual, we have South Park on the TV the entire time we're on vacation. So anytime we go into our room, there's South Park. And I had a bag full of coffee packets, and I stayed up all night just drinking coffee and watching South Park. And it sort of worked. I still felt a little bit ill when we were at the airport, but nothing like the previous trip. Now, on this trip, we actually got to spend New Year's Day in the park. We were leaving the next day, the day after that, but we did have to leave early uh, for that flight as well, so... But that was a much better plan. Then we can celebrate New Year's Eve, spend uh, New Year's Day at the park, and then leave the following day. Um, But when we go to Florida, I love staying at Cabana Bay. If you guys have never been there, you should absolutely check it out. It's like 1950s themed, and there have actually been some celebrities like back in the day who would stay there. And it's just, it's so much fun. It's It's kind of like going to like a Ren and Stimpy hotel or something because it's like fun retro future stuff. And they have like a cartoony looking retro future rocket over the bar by the pools and stuff. It just looks super cool. And they're always playing vintage music where the cafeteria is. They're playing old school commercials on all the TVs around the perimeter. Just such a fun place. And you can walk right to the water park that's right next to it. And you can do, I think it's called City Walk, where you walk from the hotel to Universal. It's kind of a long walk. I think it's like 15 or 20 minutes, but it's really pleasant. You're going through all these great, like, um, kind of wooded areas and following the uh, the fake river that goes along all the uh, Universal hotels there. But such a cool place to stay. I actually did a YouTube video there. I took the Smiths and the Sandhurst and the Marlin and a Swatch, if I remember correctly. But that was a super fun video to make. I just kind of did some montage stuff, played some music and did some fun clips from the vacation and here and there. Talked about the watches that I brought, but probably not so much fun for viewers, but it's really fun for me personally to watch that and kind of reminisce on that trip. That was such good times. But it's interesting, wrapping up a year, getting a Grail watch, which is what I did. So, um, as you know, originally I was going after a Reverso, but I realized that a Mono Face just isn't going to cut it. I really would have to go with the Duo Face, and at $10,000, I did not feel comfortable spending that kind of money on myself 
and not on the family. Something about 10,000 just seems just crazy. Five or six somehow seems more sane to me. I decided to switch my Grail goals and go for a pole router or a Don Draper, a vintage Seamaster DeVille. But uh, I ended up going for the pole router uh, thanks to Nick finding one on Chrono 24 that was just brilliant looking, even though it didn't have boxer papers or anything. I mean, it's from 1955, so, um, but it looks absolutely amazing. And I got it serviced. Put it in uh, wrapping paper. Uh, I believe we talked about this in the last episode with Nick. But uh, yeah, so on Christmas I got to open it up. And I actually took it with me to Disneyland. Obviously I didn't wear it a ton there. Because I didn't want to risk it getting damaged on rides. Or getting splashed or anything weird like that. You never know where water is going to come from. In, in parks like Disneyland. Um, and it was raining uh, the first two days that we were there. So it was almost like being in Washington, but all of a sudden there's a fun theme park there. But like I was saying, it's interesting because you get your grail watch at the end of the year and now it's the start of a new year and you're thinking about, you know, what am I going to do collection wise? What are my goals for this year? And you just got a grail watch. So at least for me personally, I can't really think of a whole lot of mid-tier or higher-end watches, at least in my pay grade, that I would really feel like going for. Like nothing, you know, the pull router is what's speaking to me, not anything else. So, um, and since I kind of exhausted my exploration of Bauhaus, at least for the time being, I have the Nomos and the Stova. I have the Dolce Vita, which kind of covers the tank thing. I have some field watches, and I just filled the gap for dive-style watches or diver watches with the Serica 5303. And so I'm pretty satisfied and content with my collection. Really, the only thing I could think of that I'll probably be doing, at least in the near future, is exploring, continuing to explore crazy vintage pieces that I find on eBay and stuff like that. And the next watch that I'm going to talk about. Because in the last episode, if you listened to that one, Nick and I were kind of drooling over some Timex pieces. So Timex has been doing some pretty amazing things, uh, at least since I've started following. And that was when I first encountered the Marlin reissue at 34 millimeters. Ever since I encountered those and have kind of kept my eye on different pieces that Timex is doing, they've really gone in an awesome direction. And the particular piece that Nick and I were tripping on was the Timex Q cushion case, which is super affordable. It's under $200 and it looks amazing. Uh, it's a quartz watch, which, which is cool because it's a day date also. So once those are set, you're pretty much good. You know, you'll may have to adjust the date monthly or, you know, when you hit a 30, 31 day month and it ends up off a bit and you have to switch that. But that's you don't have to be setting the time and then setting the date all the time. You can have it on a shelf and just pick it up and it's ready to go. 
but I think I might have to get one. So I'm going to wait till I get a little bit more um, cash in the account, and then I'm definitely going to be picking up one of these. And I'm going to have to talk with you about it when it does arrive, because at least in pictures, it looks just phenomenal, just gorgeous. And it has a battery hatch on the back, which is so cool. So when you do have to change the battery, it's not a any kind of a chore to get at the battery. Just like swatches, you could just open up the hatch and there's the battery, get right to it. But the crystal on it looks amazing, just super cool. And if Marlins, if the Marlin reissue is any indication of how amazing this watch is going to be in person, in the flesh, oh boy. Because the Marlins look really great in pictures. But once you see them in person, they are absolutely gorgeous. And those super tall box crystals are just so much fun. Like they make those watches just a joy to wear and to look down at your wrist and see all of the weird distortions and refractions in those crystals. Uh, and of course, the flying saucer cases are just amazing. So we'll see what happens uh, when I get this watch in person and the other day I was thinking about it as I was looking at pictures of this watch because I'm not weird and don't do that like every day I can totally understand why quartz was such a big deal you know if you think about it like you're living in a world where all you know are mechanical watches so you're used to having to wind your watches or their automatics but you're used to having to adjust the time here and there because they wander a bit. You're used to having to be concerned about knocking them around, um, at least to some degree, you know, with all of the uh, components in there, you do have to kind of baby them. I mean, at least in my mind, even tool watches, I would still be cautious about knocking them around too hard or inadvertently dropping them or anything like that. But enter into this world where you have these really complicated watches that need to be serviced every few years, that need to be somewhat taken care of. Um, although, if you look at some of the vintage watches that people will buy up and uh, restore and repair and stuff, these watches were not babied by any stretch of the imagination. But So maybe back then, the mindset, there was no real concern about beating them around throwing them around you know roughing up these watches not throwing them around roughing up these watches and stuff but but still into this world arrives really affordable watches that are just always running even if you put them on a shelf and leave them there unlike the watches that you're used to where you set them down and if you leave them there for a couple days they're asleep and then you've got to wind them and set the time on them potentially set a date as well but these watches are just working and you may not know it at the time but as time will tell these watches just kind of work like they're new forever i mean they either work or they're just full-on dead you know, I buy old swatches and stuff, and I've only had one that's had any issues. And the issues that it has seems to be some kind of a loose connection somewhere where the power just kind of doesn't get to the watch here and there randomly. But all the other quartz watches that I've purchased, like the $20 Casio Tanks, all the swatches that I've purchased, stuff like that, they just kind of work. 
Even the really cheap Reader's Digest watch, it keeps completely accurate time. Maybe not like a brand new quartz watch, but so much so that I never really have to bother with adjusting their time. They sit there on the shelf for months, and when I put them on, they're pretty much telling the correct time. And these are old watches. Uh, I think those Casios, or the Seikos, sorry, Seiko quartz, not Casio. Ignore my statement earlier. My little tank uh, Seiko quartz watches, those I believe are from the 80s. So they're vintage, and yet they perform just like they're new. The watch that I'm wearing right now, uh, a Movado from assumably 1987, now that it has this brand new crystal on it, it is running like a brand new watch because it's quartz. And it looks like a brand new watch because the case is in such great shape. It has a brand new crystal on it. It's so crazy. It's like I have a brand new Movado Museum, except it's a nice vintage aesthetic. It's 36 millimeters and it just has, I don't know, that thing that vintage watches have that you just don't get with modern designs. That's what this thing has and yet it looks brand new. And it was fairly affordable, but uh, I yeah, so I can totally understand how devastating and why quartz was devastating to the industry at the time because it really is revolutionary. And you know, I I feel like when you become a watch nerd, when you transition from being watch curious or just thinking. You know, oh, that's a neat watch and not e ever even thinking about watches again. But once you transition into that watch nerd phase, I feel like, at least for me and probably other collectors, you're enamored with the idea of mechanical watches. And it feels like anything other than mechanical or automatic is somehow like not as special, not as great and they just aren't of any interest to you at all. Uh, so a year or two ago, anything other than mechanical would have had zero, zero, it wouldn't have had my interest whatsoever. But I think in time, as you explore more and more, in my case at least, I feel like I don't mind that certain pieces are quartz. I feel like my core collection, I'm happy with it being 90% mechanical. I feel like the CWC is kind of part of my core collection and it's quartz, but all my other pieces are manual wines or automatics. But I don't mind watches that are kind of on the periphery, watches that you don't necessarily wear quite as often as your core collection, but they're still really special to you. I don't mind those being quartz. For me, the driver is more the aesthetic and the overall, I don't know something that that watch has. So a perfect example of that is the Timex Q, the cushion case watch that I'm going to be picking up at some point because it just looks brilliant. The design is right there and I personally have respect for the brand. I It's not like some weird unknown watch that looks kind of cool, but it's just a cheap quartz watch. There's still something to this, even though it's affordable, it's quartz, uh, and I, it's probably just a respect for the brand, I think, more than anything else. But holistically, maybe that's it. I feel like if a watch has that thing holistically, then I don't mind if it's quartz.
Um, kind of the, the Seiko courts are good examples. Those are $20 watches. They're nothing special, but the design and I Seiko's great. And just the overall aesthetic, the whole watch, the watch as a whole just is great. And for $20, I couldn't pass them up. You know, they kind of have the Cartier aesthetic to them. And they're just fun. They're fun little pieces that sit on the shelf. And when I'm in the mood, I can pick them up and they're all ready for me because they're quartz. Crazy. So I mentioned going on various vacations for New Year's and whatnot. And of course, being a watch nerd, my favorite thing to do while we're there, apart from eating food and riding rides and just seeing all the sights, is looking for watches out in the wild. And I remember... Uh, I don't recall if it was the first or the second trip, but one of our trips to Universal for New Year's, we were in line for the Hulk coaster, and there was a small petite uh, lady in front of us who was wearing a Panerai. And uh, it was really cool seeing that out in the wild. Uh, it was interesting because her wrist was tiny, and Panerais are not. So that was entertaining and cool to see. Uh, I also saw a Panerai on a trip to Vegas. My brother and his wife, my wife and I went to Vegas and we went to Skyfall. We were super stoked to get dressed up and just kind of hang out on the strip. So we brought suits, the ladies brought dresses and we got dressed up, went down the strip and uh, had some food, hung out, looking all dapper. And then we went to Skyfall which is at the very top of the Delano. So you have the view over the strip there. It's all nice and fancy looking in there. Just super cool. And no cover charge. Perfect. So we had some cocktails. And we decided to go outside where there was some seating on a balcony. So you're overlooking everything from outside there. And they have heaters overhead, which is cool because it kind of cooled off. We were in off season. And there was a guy sitting in front of us and he had some watch that I didn't recognize at the time. I just saw, I didn't get a good view of it either. And I just saw a really bright rubber strap on it and it was big. So I was like, hmm, wonder what that is. Surely nothing much, right? And my wife was like, well, why don't you just ask him? Eh, I don't know. That I just feel weird. So, of course, she goes up to him. And, hey, my husband likes your watch, wants to know what it is. And it turns out that it was a Panerai. And we were chatting with this guy, and he was absolutely amazing. We chatted with him for hours, I don't know. But he had a total National Geographic accent, and he was from Bermuda. So we were asking him all kinds of questions about, you know, where he lives and what it's like there and all kinds of cool stuff. I don't recall what he did for a living, but I mean, he could have been a dishwasher in a dive bar somewhere and him telling you about it would have been super interesting and entertaining just because of that brilliant accent. But, uh, so in Disneyland, I was keeping my eyes open for watches out there in the wild. And sadly, I really didn't see a whole lot. I saw some G-Shocks and a whole lot of smartwatches. The only watch that I saw that made me really happy, uh, because it wasn't one of those two previous ones, I mean, G-Shocks are great, but they're everywhere, and so are smartwatches. 
but we were in line for one of the classic rides, you know, like Peter Pan or something like that. And there was a lady in line, probably around my age or so, who was wearing a swatch. That is so cool. It's so rare to see swatches in the wild. I don't know if I've really seen it, actually, in meat space. I've seen them in movies and stuff, and it always makes me happy. Especially when those movies are or shows are modern, and the people that are wearing the swatches are young. That's so cool. So swatches are still a thing. They're still limping along. That's so awesome. I really hope swatches are around forever. I just, ever since, like, middle school, where I first encountered them, middle school and high school, I have a huge soft spot in my heart for swatches, and that's why I have like eight or ten of them sitting on the shelf behind me. Just so cool. So, if there's only going to be one watch that I find in the wild at Disneyland, I'm so happy it was a swatch. It was a classic gent size. I don't recall what was on it or anything. I, I was too busy trying to identify it without question as being a swatch. So instead of noticing the dial and colors and whatnot, I was too busy looking at the lugs to make sure that it had those teeth in there, the two right in the middle there, for sure a swatch, because, yep, those were there, but couldn't tell you what the watch itself looked like, but it was out there in the wild, and that's awesome. So even though I don't really have any plans for my collection this year, I can tell you what the first watch of the year is going to be. Because before Christmas, shortly after I sent the pole router off to be serviced, I uh, went on eBay and decided to bid on an Enicar watch. It has a black dial, it has Dauphine hands, and great markers on there. It's uh, on the smaller size, I think. 33 or 34 so it's a little bit below my zone there but close enough to be cool and it has that brilliant Enicar logo on there if you haven't seen Enicar watches vintage ones they have a, a little Saturn for their logo and it's so cool it's like uh, the Lego space sets of old where they have the uh, little Saturn-y or maybe it's a planet with a ship flying around it that looks like Saturn when you just glance at it, but that is such a cool logo. So awesome and retro futury. So I have a search out there on eBay just because I love that logo. So I've been kind of keeping my eyes open for any cars that are kind of worth me going after. There's a lot of cool ones out there, but a lot of those are kind of roughed up. And so I just was like, eh, I'll wait for something that's in a bit better shape. And this one showed up and it looked great. It was an auction with a really low starting bid. I think when I first encountered it, it was 10 bucks or 20 bucks right around there. So uh, when I encounter auctions like that, I'll just throw a bid out there and see what happens. Maybe I'll luck out and no one will notice it or there won't be any interest even though I find it brilliant. And so I placed a bid on there and I think there were a couple other bids after mine. So I was a little bit iffy because I really had to hang on to my cash to pay for the uh, pull router servicing. So I definitely had a hard limit on what I could pay for this thing. So after those bids came in, I did one last raise to $35. I was like, that'll be my cap. I'm not going any higher than that. 
And so I'm sitting there watching it. Because uh, I think, if I remember right, there was kind of a bidding war for a little while between me and one other user on eBay there where we were just kind of upping our bids. And then I put in my $35 one and it stopped. So I was pretty sure this person was like, what am I doing? Why am I, why am I raising the price on this thing before it reaches the end there? So I was pretty sure this person was just waiting until the last minute to bump up their bid. And so I'm sitting there watching it count down from like five minutes. I'm sitting there just watching it nonstop. And it's counting down five, four, three, you know, all the way down. And there was no other bids that came in. So I ended up winning this amazing looking vintage Enicar for $35. And I'm super stoked about it. It's coming via India Post. And that's not good. Because their tracking service apparently doesn't work. Or maybe it does. And the seller mistyped the tracking. Or I have no idea. But no one on any of the tracking services can seem to find my package. So I'm going to wait until tomorrow. It's supposed to arrive then. If it doesn't arrive tomorrow, I'll reach out to the seller and uh, ask them what's going on. I can't track it anywhere. Just see if they can see where it is and let me know when it should be here. But uh, when it does arrive, I'll be discussing that with you for sure. So I think this episode might end up being a little bit shorter than usual, but we're going to wrap it up with a fun little uh, exploration. I was thinking it could be uh, entertaining to pull up a web browser and we're simply going to search for fashion watches. And I have no idea what's going to come up. Hopefully they're entertaining. Um, If not, have a nice sleep. I will chat with you guys in the next episode. But let's see what comes up. So I have a browser open here. And we'll go ahead and hit search. I've got fashion watches punched in here. And let's see what comes up. Let me get my mouse over here. All right, so the very first item that comes up in this search is a lady's watch with the Eiffel Tower on the dial. It looks like it's pretty small, I would guess 20-some millimeters. Um, So not the itty-bitty ladies' watches, but pretty small. It's on AliExpress. The Eiffel Tower watches crystal. So it has like fake diamonds for the indices, some logo on there, and then just the Eiffel Tower. And weird, twisted, naughty-looking like metal kind of lugs there. So it almost looks like it's uh, tied to the strap with like gold. So if that makes any sense, there are strands going one way and strands going the other. And it's just metal that kind of is made to look like it's some kind of string. An interesting transition into the the strap that's on there. I mean, it's I've seen worse on uh, AliExpress, that's for sure. And then we come over a few more results. And this is pretty curious. This is a ladies' watch, another ladies' watch from AliExpress. Uh, But this is one of those wooden watches. So the bracelet and the watch case itself is made of wood. And what's interesting is I don't know if I've ever seen a ladies' watch 
that's made out of wood like this. I've seen men's watches, like when I go on vacation or something and you're going through souvenir shops. I feel like there's always that uh, driftwood store or wood product store and it has uh, the wooden watches in their cases and stuff. This, But in those, I don't think I've ever seen a lady's watch. So this one is a, kind of a rounded square cased watch. Uh, it looks like it has fake jewels for the indices again. Kind of a running theme there over on AliExpress. There's a huge gap in the uh, crown stem there. So in the case, the hole that the crown is coming out of is so big that the hole almost looks like the size of the crown. And so you can see the crown stem just kind of hovering in a void there. That's interesting. Um, and then it tapers to the bracelet. The bracelet has a center link. And uh, I'm not sure. I'm guessing that it's just pressure fit or doesn't look large enough to have screw heads there, but very inner. I mean, it's not, not terrible looking. I think it looks better than most of the wooden ones that you see, but, uh, very interesting. Oh boy. A few more results later and we have another AliExpress watch and this is painful. Oh, it looks like it's another women's watch, um, which I guess makes sense. We did a search for fashion, and uh, I guess I would expect ladies' watches to come up, you know? Um, the marketing uh, with toward the ladies with the terms like fashion and whatnot. But So what we have here is a two-tone Nautilus homage. It has a gold-tone crown. And then the case is silver color. It, this almost looks like a render. This doesn't even look like a photograph. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's almost cartoony. <laughs> um, I would be leery about buying this because it's not even a photograph. I mean, they, they even put like cartoony lens flares um, exactly in all four corners. Like they didn't even have them put randomly around the bezel because the bezel is encrusted with fake diamonds or rendered fake diamonds. The dial is white and it has a round minutes track. And inside that are the horizontal lines uh, that you'll see with like the Royal Oak or the Nautilus. But outside of that track, it's smooth. And then there's batten markers. The only indice in there besides those is an Arabic uh, 12 at the top. There's no date. The center links are gold tone. Um, yeah, this thing is absolutely not cool. And not real because it's a rendering. Uh, but I'm guessing it's probably $5 or something. It's on AliExpress. And then, let's see. The next one is a pink, peachish colored watch. Uh, the case is like a kind of a peach color. The dial is uh, divided into quarters. So there's a vertical and horizontal um, beveled line on there. It's not bad. I mean, it's a very effeminate watch, and it looks pretty decent. This is from salescart.net. Um, it has uh, little tiny um, 
line markers at one, two, four, five, you know, skipping the the quarters there, right? So 12, six, 12, three, six, and nine do not have anything because that be that uh, beveled line kind of goes there. But the hands are Bauhausy stick hands in black. And the the quarters there, two of them are more peach. And the other two are more cream. Not not bad looking, actually. The next watch on here looks a lot like the uh, Hamilton. Uh, is it uh, is it auto? What are oh what are those? The Ultramatics or whatever those are called. The Bauhaus watches. And this is uh, it is a Liege L I G E sports date men's watch top brand luxury waterproof fashion cool watchman ultra thin dial uh it is kind of a greenish dial that fades to black on the edges it looks like it has kind of a sunburst the hands are stick hands with uh batten markers and there are minute numbers called out on the outside of those bat markers with dots in between them. It's actually not terrible looking, uh, except that it's uh, probably just uh, dirt cheap and just probably terrible build quality. Like the, the bracelet on there looks like Milanese, but it attaches um, like a, the Scoggin that I had where it was kind of like a C clamp and you shove the leather strap in there. And then on the bottom, there's two screws that screw into it. This looks just like that. So I almost guarantee that this really isn't Milanese, that it's probably like a rubber, um, or something like that with a Milanese pattern printed onto it or embossed into it. Although it does look like it has a little clasp on the bottom. But the, yeah, this is, yeah, it's probably like $3 and that is not, I can almost guarantee that is not Milanese. But, and I know I've seen some like that on AliExpress that are just, yeah, no good. Um, oh, here we have something on eBay. And this is actually pretty cool. Again, it's a ladies' watch, but I I like the look of this one um, because it reminds me of some of the art that's that's like this. Let me explain it. So it has a round case on there, kind of Bauhaus style, because the lugs are very utilitarian looking, uh, just kind of uh, rectangular coming off it. Uh, there's no real bezel on there, so it's. It's uh, mostly all crystal, all dial, you know, like a Bauhaus watch. It has a really small crown on there. Now, for the indices, they're all um, fake diamonds. Uh, I don't think this is a high-end piece, but uh, yeah. It's quartz with a faux leather uh, strap on it. So these are fake diamonds around there for all the indices, which doesn't look bad. They're really tiny and just kind of look cool. But the amazing thing on this is it has a flower on the dial, but the way that's done is the very edges of the dial have petals that are really dark gray. And then as it moves in toward the center, there's more and more petals and each like row of them is a lighter color gray. So it gives it depth. It looks like the flower is like disappearing into the distance. And I don't know if you've seen art like that where people 
either do it digitally with just translucent layers of white stacked on top of each other. And it kind of gives this really cool, almost ghostly look to it. And yet really 3D, three-dimensional look to it. But that flower actually makes this thing pretty cool. The hands are really pointed, um, but they're almost like leaf hands. If you've ever seen the really angular, um, maybe they're called spear hands, I'm not sure. But think of like leaf hands but with a really angled, they don't curve, they're really angled. There's just a couple angles to them. All right, so let's see if we have, we're going to look at one more, and we'll see if there's anything that's just absolutely bonkers. And we have a candidate. Let's see what this is. So here we have, it looks like a Melissa watch, which is interesting. Um... It's always weird having someone's name on your watch, um, <clears throat> Christopher Ward. Although I don't mind with Christopher Ward, but some people are weirded out by that. But I feel like wearing a watch that just says Melissa on the top is kind of weird. Like maybe like Christopher Ward, there should be a first and last name or something, or it should sound like it's a designer's name or something, but just Melissa Sounds like you picked this watch off of a, a spinning display that has a bunch of different names on it, and you lucked out, and your name is Melissa, and there happened to be a Melissa watch on the shelf there. Something tells me that Norm would not be on there, so I don't get one of these amazing watches. So this watch is really hideous. Um, it is a gold tone. And it's a lady's watch, as I mentioned, I think. If not, there you go. It's a lady's watch. And it has fake square-shaped diamonds um, for a portion of the top there. So almost, extends, almost extending from just beyond 11, so 11.30 to about 12.30. There are five square fake diamonds. And then over the 2 o'clock to almost 3 o'clock are these purpley round stones with a teardrop stone at a weird angle between them they're kind of at different sizes and almost appear random um and then from about 2:30 down to five or some more of those square fake diamonds and then below that are more of these purple things with the teardrop thing just kind of puked onto this watch and then on the left side, we have a bird. I don't know exactly what that is. Um, it has kind of a swan-like neck, but no real beak to speak of. It just kind of is this short little nub that angles up. And there's weird fake uh, jewels along it. It's, uh, quote, feathers. And in its body, it's just not cool. Um... There's fake diamonds for most of it, and then parts of its wings are kind of a light purple. I could see why maybe uh, someone might like this, like maybe ladies who like real sparkly, blingy things, but I feel like there are better offerings, even at dirt cheap fashion watch levels. Uh... I feel like this is something that you might buy at a Claire's. Like when I was in middle school and Claire's was like the store where you can go in and buy dirt cheap 
crappy jewelry and earrings and stuff, and it was just kind of fun. Go in there with five bucks and come out with some uh, uh, earrings that are just brass, probably, that are uh, terrible. Just super cheap earrings that all the silver is going to just crust off of them and stuff. And uh, you're probably going to get infections just from putting them in your ears. Stuff like that. I feel like this might come from a place like that. Let's see what the website is. I mean, it's a jeans company. Uh, let's pull this up. And what do we have here? Oh, it's like a blog. And it's just talking about fashion watch. Interesting. Well... Yeah, this is, that watch is something, and a perfect watch to end this little fun exploration on. But it's been great being back, and I will talk to you guys in the next one.